This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, Season 5, Episode 5. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network, brought to you by Excess Sites. Today is Wednesday, January 26th, 2022, as of the recording of this show. And I'm your host, Riley Bowman, joined today by co-host and producer, Matthew Marister. I'm here again. Glad to be back, man. Yeah, glad to have you back. <laughs> I'm glad you made it back from SHOT Show 2022 from Las Vegas there, all the way across the country to Ohio. You didn't have any travel delays, it sounded like. No, no, I... I you know, I had a one layover. I actually made my my connecting flight this time and uh, <laughs> traveled home. And yeah, <laughs> happy to be back. And that, that's a good thing, especially you know, including the fact that uh, you know this time of year when you're traveling cross country or through multiple airports, it is not uncommon to have weather related delays or cancellations sure. even. So. So we're glad you made it back home safely, and uh, we are glad to be all with all of you folks. We took uh, a week off there uh, while we were at SHOT Show. It, those of you that have been longtime listeners of the podcast know that in years past, we've recorded episodes from SHOT Show. Quite often, we've been partnered up with companies like Sig Sauer, or even at one time with uh, Spring, Springfield Armory, being able to utilize some of their booths and, and record episodes and interviews with people right there from the show floor. Uh, that did not happen this year. And uh, I'll be honest with you, I actually quite enjoyed it because I didn't have as many schedule conflicts and, uh, you know, obligations. So it really allowed us to get around and see the show and uh, check in with folks and interact with people. So I know that means a little bit less content for all of you directly from the show. But it was a good show. And that's actually what we're here to talk about today. This is our 2022 shot show recap episode we're going to share with you our takeaways from this year's show it's been two years since we had a shot show and it was an interesting show uh overall i'd say a good show but an interesting one nonetheless we're going to share with you some of our favorite products and top products and things that we saw at the show um, new innovations etc and share with you kind of our winners and I guess if there were any losers, I, don't, I, I guess we could talk about those two, um, but mostly winners, and I uh, look forward to getting into it with you. So today's episode, though, first, sponsored and brought to you by Excess Sites, our title sponsor. We got to see those folks at SHOT Show last week and shot a little video with them in their booth. Uh, we saw uh, Zach and Addison and, and the whole gang there. So good time seeing Excess uh, Sites. Uh, we're proud of them for being associated with them and sponsors of this podcast. You know, I'm a huge fan of the R3D and F8 night sites. Uh, particularly the F8s are, are really my favorite. You know, they're my jam. But one thing I was really excited to see is that Excess Sites is rolling out new options and more options in their, we'll call them their suppressor height site options. And what that means, there's also some R3D options available in suppressor height uh, uh, in the suppressor site height there we go that's what I was trying to say and uh, that was really cool to see and in fact I really like the look of the R3Ds in the suppressor site height option because uh, they kind of remind me of the F8 so, you know the F8s kind of already come with a slightly taller profile and for whatever reason that that profile just always worked for me and so the R3Ds are also an option to kind of get in that taller profile. So that's kind of cool. So thank you to Excess Sites for sponsoring the Concealed Carry Podcast. Folks, check them out at excesssites.com. The next thing I want to share with you sponsor-wise is, uh, well, a bit of a self-promotion, but uh, still uh, you know, a, a worthwhile one, and that is the 2022 Guardian Conference. Now, the thing I'm excited to share with you update-wise, and by the way, the 2022 Guardian Conference is again sponsored, presented by, our title sponsor, if you will, of the conference is CCW Safe. And so coincidentally, we're mentioning them today as a sponsor of today's episode as well. Uh, you can, of course, go to ccwsafe.com for picking up 
great coverage for uh, legal defense in the case you have to use a gun or other lethal force ccwsafe.com but they are presenting sponsors of the 2022 guardian conference they're back for year two with us which we are uh, we're proud to have them on board again uh, they were wonderful they were a wonderful support to us last year and we look forward to working with them in year two so here's the other cool thing we have uh locked down some of our instructors for 2022 uh so i'm gonna highlight some of them now First of all, I'll mention some of those that are coming back that we know of. And there, there'll probably be a few more that we add to the to the list of instructors. But we have Chuck Haggard from Agile uh, Training and Consulting coming back. Uh, he'll likely be doing some blocks again on uh, the use of less lethal options, including pepper spray or OC spray. Uh, we'll probably have him teaching some other things as well. So super excited to have Chuck Haggard back. Probably, I would suspect we may have him back for a low light session too. So that that was a popular one last year. Um, we've got Matt Little committed to come back for this year. So super excited to have Matt Little and, and most likely Angela, his wife, assisting alongside with him as well. So that's really great. Todd Fossey will be back doing, uh, and his, I'll tell you, his classes were popular last year. Now he's yes. covering more of the he doesn't maybe describe it this way, but I, I, the easiest way to describe it is more of the combative side of things. Okay. And more of the hand, hand on or hand to hand side of the house, but he really takes a holistic uh, integrated approach. Of course, that's the name of his company, integrative defensive or integrative defense strategies. Yes. Anyway, IDS. Uh, he's a good dude. We're glad to have him back. Brian Eastridge will be back a uh, host of the off duty on duty podcast. Brian McLaughlin back, of course, from Mountain Man Medical doing uh, um, trauma-based courses. Sam Middlebrook, I will say, was going to be back. He was committed last year, but uh, those of you that know or maybe you don't know, he came down with a very severe case of COVID-19 in the weeks leading up before the conference. And uh, I'll tell you, that that really wiped him out. And uh, we're so happy that he recovered and is still working on his recovery, believe it or not. But we anticipate him to be back to full health. And he he is looking forward to teaching at the 2022 conference. So some new instructors we have locked down for the conference. Uh, so that's the thing. You know, each year we anticipate we'll have some of the same faces and some new faces. We, we want this to be something where you can kind of count on some of the quality training you're going to, I mean, you're always, you're always going to get quality training from, from all of our instructors at the, at the event. But uh, we, we want to have things where it's kind of consistent, but then also some new things added. So I just gave you some of the, some of the regular faces, if you will, or at least they're back for year two. Here are some of the new faces. Mickey Shook from carry trainer that'll be exciting for some of you some of you that may know mickey and uh enjoy his content or his training that maybe some of you have attended his training that he does through carry trainer so glad to have mickey shook on board uh he's he's good friends of ours and uh i'll tell you um you know it's not necessarily easy to get a guy like him lined up for an event like this he also puts on his own great incredible training events uh, called S12, his S12 events. He's got one, I think, in May and then another one later in the year as well. So super excited to have uh, uh, Mickey on board. We have AJ Zito lined up from Practical Performance. Uh, he is a world-renowned gunsmith, but also instructor and spends a lot of time training and assistant instructing under Scott Jedlinski from Modern Samurai Project. And I anticipate we'll have AJ doing uh, perhaps some classes that are focused on Red Dot uh, or some of his other really great courses or curriculum that he's known for as well. Uh, we It's hard to get Scott lined up for this event. Um, AJ is the next best thing. So we're super excited to have AJ on board. And then also another probably lesser known name, but I'll tell you, this dude packs a punch and is well-regarded in the training community and also in, in law enforcement circles as well. And that is Wayne Dobbs. And so I look forward to uh, introducing our, our folks, uh, attendees of the Guardian Conference, to a truly, a, we, we bring world-class instructors to this event. And Wayne Dobbs, even if you don't recognize the name, he is world-class. 
And I promise you will enjoy being taught by one of the best there as well. So, folks, uh, that's a current lineup. And again, I do anticipate adding a few more. Uh, we will have a at least uh, a female instructor as part of this event. I know that's something that people have asked about. And it's not something that we intentionally left off of the roster of instructors at last year's event. It's just kind of the nature of you know, schedule availability and, and who is able to commit and, and get on board. So, uh, but I'm working on, uh, because people have said, I want to see a female instructor there. <laughs> so I am really working hard to make sure we get, again, a world-class female instructor as part of the Guardian Conference. So there you go. That is, uh, that's the Guardian Conference. Learn more at guardianconference.com. And get signed up. Early, super early bird pricing still available right now. And Guardian Nation members, you get the the best price at, of of all, of course. Um, I do want to mention that one of our sponsors. I want to highlight one of the sponsors of the 2022 Guardian Conference is Gunfighter Gun Oil. All right, and so we are mentioning them also as a sponsor of today's podcast episode. You can. Learn more about Gunfighter Gun Oil at gunfighteroil.com. We sell them on our site as well at concealedcarry.com. But uh, head on over to gunfighteroil.com. Check out their full lineup of gun care and maintenance products. I've been using Gunfighter Gun Oil for a while now, and it is now my it's my exclusive gun care product. I'll just I'll put it out there as that. Uh, I'm not directly affiliated or sponsored by them directly in any way. But uh, I've been using Gunfighter Gun Oil for a while now and really liking their products. And so check them out, gunfighteroil.com. All right, that's enough of sponsorship today. Uh, I know that was a lot to get through, but I know we were also talking about the conference a little bit and highlighting some of the instructors from that event. So, and I'm a little uh, scratchy in the throat here. I'm going to have a quick sip. Okay, um, let's now get into the 2022 Shot Show recap. So I've been talking for a while here, Matthew. I want to hear first from you. Tell me about just kind of your over overall take on this year's Shot Show. Yeah, um, I think I I went in with some expectations. Um, you know, knowing that some big names like Glock and Sig and some of the other bo- uh, bigger names wouldn't be there. I went in with the expectation that, you know, it would be sort of a, uh, it'd be a smaller crowd. Um, Mm -hmm. there'd be less people there. Um, and there certainly were, um, I, I, I noticed it seemed, um, much, um, the, the, the show floor wasn't as hectic as it normally is, um, which, was actually a good thing. Um, it really allowed you to get into different booths that you normally wouldn't or get, get up close to things. And you weren't waiting for 20 minutes to get, you know, to, to, to get just eyes on something. Cause there was such a mob. Um, so in that respect, it was, it was uh, a little bit nicer to have a smaller crowd. Um, I felt like, you know, early on that seemed like there wasn't a lot of energy in as much of people like running around here and there and doing these things. But, um, as the show went on, I think it maybe it just kicked in a little, little bit later or, or whatever. But, uh, um, there were a lot of people that showed up, uh, that we knew and, you know, those people that you expected to see, um, we saw again and stuff. And so, um, I thought the show overall, while there weren't like, a like, you know, a lot of new guns or, a lot of new products um the 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 industry as as a whole seemed to be you know hand bouncing back fine from from you know uh not holding it last year mm-hmm. yeah i agree with that assessment uh and i agree that yeah showing up first thing you know the first event or first part of shot show we attended was the day before shot show known as uh the industry day at the range so we went to that, of course, and there was kind of this initial of, you know, sort of realization of there's not that many people here, and that felt kind of strange. At the same time, it was pretty dang awesome for us, for those that were in attendance, because normally you'd wander the industry day, and you've got all these different 
range bays, basically, um, all these different companies that have showed up, put together a booth where they could feature their primarily their firearms or, you know, some cases optics and different things, but obviously it's a, it's a range. So we expect to do a lot of shooting. So they've put that together and, uh, normally you got to wait like in lines, you go, you know, you go from one booth to the next booth to the next booth to the next booth. And like every time, you know, you're, you're kind of waiting a little bit typically to uh, get up to the line and, uh, be able to get your hands on their products and actually shoot them. So it was really cool that most of the time there was very little to zero weight for us. So that was really cool. That allowed us to get around a little bit, see more of industry day itself and get our hands on those things we really wanted to and capture some content. Uh, and I also noticed too, that in years past and primarily, primarily because there was gobs of people, you know, waiting in line to shoot stuff, they would hand you a magazine. Like, let's say you went to the, the I don't know, let's just say the Glock booth uh, for lack of a, of another example. And you know, they, you're like, Hey, I want to shoot the, I don't know, the Glock 44. And they'd be like, Oh, here's a magazine with five rounds. There you go. There's your five rounds. You can shoot it five times and congratulations. There you go. Now, sometimes some of the vendors were pretty cool. If you're like, Hey, do you mind if I run another magazine through that? And they'd be like, yeah, okay, cool. Whatever. Some would be like, Hey, you shot your five rounds, get off the line <laughs> kind of thing, you know? Yeah. So, so this was a lot more laid back and that was cool because I didn't feel bad or out of place by, you know, simply asking like, Hey, can I, can I shoot that a little bit more? And some of the vendors were awesome because there was nobody waiting and they're just like, yeah, keep shooting like whatever. So that was cool. What that allowed us to do was, in the case of some of the new products, which we're going to highlight here in this episode, uh, I'll just throw out one for one example uh, would be anything associated with the new the new hotness, the new round, the 30 super carry, right? Which everybody's curious about. And the cool thing is we actually got to get our hands on with that more later on in the day, but I'll get to that in a minute. Um, but at the... Uh, it was actually at the, uh, yeah, it was just, it was federal that had that, that bay reserved. And then they had on the line there, their guns chambered in the super, in the 30 super carry. So the, uh, shield plus and the shield EZ, as well as the new Nighthawk custom gun that's chambered in 30 super carry. And that was cool too, because I don't know if Nighthawk custom was actually at the event. Uh, I don't recall seeing them and I don't think they mm. were. And so it was cool, at least at, we had an example of that new gun as well on the table. So I uh, got to shoot those guns uh, multiple times. I actually got to shoot like a shield plus a nine millimeter and compare it directly to the shield plus and 30 super carry. And then do the same thing with the, uh, the shield EZ. So that was nice because, you know, you want to like one of the top things that people want to know is, what, how does the 30 super carry compare to other known cartridges to the nine millimeter, for instance, or the 380? And so, uh, I, I'm going to speak some more to that here in a bit, but but it was nice that I could have that opportunity and not feel rushed, not feel like somebody was trying to push me through, um, you know, because of this horde of uh, of other people in, in attendance. So, fortunately, that was not the case, and so it was more relaxed. And initially, there was that kind of off-putting of, oh, this feels kind of dead. But as the event went on, it was like, no, actually, this is really awesome. So that was cool. Um, the thing I alluded to is we got to have, get our hands on um, the, uh, the 30 Super Carry guns some more later on in the day because we got to jump in last minute on a special VIP event at Smith and Wesson that they were hosting at a, at a local range as well, a different range than where industry days held actually an indoor one. And that actually meant that I got to run several magazines worth of 30 super carry through their guns and also check out some of their other guns as well. So that was a great opportunity. Um, before we uh, probably lose our way too much here, Matthew, I kind of want to ask you, well, no, since we're on the topic of kind of like, what was the show like? What was the feeling like? What was the traffic like? Tell us a little bit about 
you know, we, we talked about industry day a little bit there, but tell us uh, your thought about the actual show floor. So Tuesday through Friday, of course, we were really only primarily there Tuesday through Thursday, but tell us a little bit about kind of just your overall impression of the indoor part of the show. Uh, yeah, I ran, you know, and it's weird because um, uh, we go there not with just like an idea of like, Hey, I just want to walk around and look at the new stuff. It's, we have kind of a mission that we go out and especially as I'm trying to go out and get uh, content to write on. Right. So um, if it were just me going out there and wanting to see the stuff that I wanted to see, um, I might approach it a little bit differently. Um, But since, you know, our time is kind of, um, scheduled while we're there for the most part. Um, and it's so big that, you know, you intend to go see this, you know, when you're done getting all this, seeing all this stuff that you have to and getting all this information and, you know, um, photos and whatnot, um, that you sometimes don't get around to, to getting back over to that area. So, um, but I, I focused a lot on the stuff that I felt I wouldn't normally get to see like the smaller um, companies that might be the first time there or the, you know, um, there, there's a section. If you've been to the shot show, there's a section where they have like new companies that they haven't really um, they're brand new and they don't have a booth on the floor. So they're kind of new ex exhibits type thing. Um, I try to focus on those in the ones that just got their new booths, right? Like the first year that they're at the booth and um, or at shot show with the, with a substantial booth. And um, so I kind of, like the, you know, getting off and looking at those, the ones that people might not really hear about. So that that was kind of cool for me uh, to switch it up a little bit from years past. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And I concur with that as well. Uh, the actual show uh, was, was slower for sure, but it was nice again that we could, for instance, like in years past, it's always been one of those things where, if you realize you have a 10 o'clock appointment on Wednesday morning and it's, you know, nine 45 or nine 50 and you're on the complete opposite end of the show floor from where your appointment is 10 minutes might not be enough time actually to get, you know, kind of your way to fight your way through the crowds and get to the other side of the show. Mm -hmm. So uh, it was actually nice that there again was not so much traffic that it was like, Oh, I need to get over there and, and in years past, you might be like, even if it wasn't an appointment thing, if it was just simply a, oh, I forgot I needed to check in with so-and-so or such such company. And you're like, eh, I'm not sure I want to, you know, walk those extra steps and fight my way through the masses of people. This year made that, that, that type of decision a lot easier. It was like, oh, I'll just stroll on over there. No big deal. So uh, that was, that was nice. You know, and this year they added a whole extended port of the part portion of the show in what they call a Caesars forum, which is a whole new building that was built over the last two years. I remember they, they started working on that about two years ago. Um, you know, like they were closing down one of the parking lots we used to park in, uh, to, uh, walk over to the show. They started closing off portions of that two years ago. And so that whole new add on was was constructed and finished and uh you know quite a nice beautiful in, indoor ballroom type setting with you know the typical conference center layout of these large rooms and a bunch of companies over in that section of the, that new section of the show and that expanded things out too as well and i think further kept the lower attendance numbers just spread out more which probably not a bad idea from a COVID perspective, but also again, just reduce the overall uh, pressure on the show. And, and uh, it was kind of nice. Now I did see some photos and things that came out here and there throughout the show of kind of showing how parts of the show floors were kind of dead. <laughs> it didn't look like there was a lot going on. Uh, that probably wasn't the best look, but uh, mostly where I spent my time, during the show had pretty decent traffic. I mean, there wasn't generally, there wasn't a lot of people just standing, you know, in terms of vendors or exhibitors standing around doing totally nothing. And the other nice thing is that we could, we were able to have better, deeper 
more relationship building conversations with people throughout the week. And that was a pleasant surprise. So I really enjoyed that aspect of the show. So now we've kind of talked about the overall feel of the show attendance. I mean, it was definitely down. Um, I don't know how that reflects from the perspective of the exhibitor. If like, I know talking to some of the people that work for some of those companies, they were like, Oh, this was so nice to not be so slammed and busy and, constantly re-answering the same questions again and again and again and again for, you know, hordes of, and crowds of people. Um, but whether the companies will look at it and think, oh, there was ROI or there wasn't a ROI for them, I don't know. I do feel like we thought there was ROI, return on investment for us and for our company. And in terms of the content that we went there to get, I felt like we got what we set out to get. I mean, we didn't know exactly how that was going to play out. But once we were there on the ground and saw how everything laid out and kind of what it was going to be like, we, we, we mapped out what we wanted to hit and we pretty much hit everything we wanted to hit. And so that was, that was good. Um, so let's kind of shift focus a little bit to uh, some of the, um, some of the, the, the products, the actual products, right? Mm-hmm. So, I'd like to hear from you first, Matthew. Like, what were a handful of things that really stood out to you product-wise? Yeah, uh, I was able to get some content written while we were there. And I try to highlight the ones that, I guess, you know, interested me the most. And that uh, I had, you know, some some quick things that I could point out. Um, and, and I uh, highlighted one and Mark um, in, the, in the chat here on Facebook even noted... Um, asked about a company called we one tactical like w-e-e and um they were they make these ar-15s um for kids and so they're a scaled down ar-15 um i think they're 30 percent smaller than um the uh a typical AR-15, but the way they function is the same. They shoot a 22 long rifle. So it's not, you're not just taking a, you know, a AR-15 and making it shoot 22. Um, it is a, it's something that is, you know, proportionate to a child. So as you're teaching them how to shoot, you know, you could teach them on a, you know, a, a 1022 or something like that, or you can sh- teach them how to shoot, you know, um, with a, with an AR 15 and it has a kind of a nifty, um, safety selector switch with an override thing that you can kind of lock out. Um, really, really kind of a neat little product, um, from, like I said, one of those company, uh, companies that the booth was in the basement. So the, you know, they don't get as much as the main floor as far as traffic or maybe, um, you know, um, interest, but I thought that that was a really cool, you, um, little unit. Um, mm-hmm. I went, I went over to, um, if you guys have followed our site at all we've we've kind of worked with them not worked with them but um been along for the ride with a company called vara safety and mm-hmm. with their biometric SACE as they have kind of evolved those um and they released a new one um that's in beta testing right now but it's for a rifle and it's called racked r-a-c-t and that was pretty neat um the the you know, the technology that went into that is even surpassed the, the, the systems that I've tested in the past that I was pretty, um, impressed with. So those were, those were two things. Um, I have, you know, four or five other things, but I'll, I don't want to monologue here, mm-hmm. but those were, those were two, um, kind of one from a company that, you know, was on the main floor in that Caesars kind of area with Vara Safety. They were up the last time we saw them, they were in the new product show, new, new products. Um, and we won tactical, which I had never heard before. Um, and actually our social media guy, Mitch was like, Hey, did you see this? And I must've walked by it, you know, two or three times and didn't think anything of it. And then when we went back over there, I was like, ah, this is pretty cool. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. And by the way, you're, Totally welcome to monologue because <laughs> I do it all the time. You know? It's your show, man. Got a give and take here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, good thoughts there. So we won tactical. I didn't actually get my hands on that or spend a lot, you know, t- any time looking at it because uh, I just didn't get really over to that part of the show uh, much myself. But I, I saw your article that you put up on the site and heard people, other people talk about it. And here's what I really like about that from a 
product standpoint, uh, I mean, first of all, standard AR-15s are already pretty customizable and can be made to suit smaller shooters pretty well. But this is taking a th- that same design of a rifle and purpose building it for a youth mm-hmm. shooter, and that's cool. But here's what's here's what else is cool about it is that this just helps further normalize firearms like that for the general populace uh, and for for children. All right. I know that some people might not necessarily like to hear that outside of our circle, but um, the Air 15 is America's rifle. It just is at this, you know, where we are at. I mean, that wasn't maybe the case 30, 40, 50 years ago, you know, when, I don't know, say a Winchester Model 70 or Remington uh, Model 700 or a Winchester 3030 might have been America's rifle at that point. But, but now it's the Air 15. It is. It just is. And uh, the the anti-gunners don't like that one bit. Our, many of our politicians don't like that and would like to change that. And the more we make it truly ingrained and embedded into our culture and identity as Americans, and the idea of an AR-15 just being a a, a standard, typical, common tool, the more difficult it'll make it for them to take them away. And so making a purpose-built, um, kid-sized AR, I think is, I think it's great, you know, in, in an appropriate uh, caliber too, 22 long rifle. That's awesome. Yeah. And of course, any 22 caliber ARs are typically taking an AR and then trying to reverse engineering them into a 22, like basically just fit a 22 long rifle into something that was clearly designed for something much bigger than that. And I mean, they kind of work, but they don't work as well as something that's purpose built for that. So, so that was a cool, cool thing to see. Um, all right. So I'll give you a couple things that stand out in my mind. Uh, again, getting my hands on the new hotness, the 30 super carry uh, was, was a good experience. And uh, it was one that you know we needed to do, I think, to do justice to our listeners and viewers and followers of this podcast and concealedcarry.com. So to give you my quick summary on that. Um, from a shooting perspective, I like the 30 Super Carry. I think it shoots well. I think it generally shoots a little bit more manageably than a 9mm but not significantly so. So for those that, and there's been some talk in the last few weeks of, well, it's it's kind of in between a 380 and a 9, or it's, you know, power of a 9, but in a 380 shooting package. Mm, I'd really say the 30 Super Carry is closer to a 9 in terms of how it shoots than a 380, if I'm being frank. And, you know, and I had plenty of opportunities to shoot the 30 super carry side by side with the nine millimeter. So to have that very direct comparison, now I didn't, I don't recall that we actually had three eighties to directly compare to, but I, I, I know pretty well how a three eighty feels compared to a nine. And again, comparing the 30 super carry straight across to a nine, like seriously taking the same pistols side by side, shooting the nine millimeter version and then shooting the 30 super carry version the 30 Super Carry is very close to a 9 in how it shoots and recoils. Would you agree, Matthew? Oh, yeah, agree? absolutely. I, you know, if if you had, a, you know, the same gun, let's say you had like a, uh, you know, a Shield Plus or something, and you had it in 380 Super Carry 9mm, and you closed your eyes and just picked them up, you may, if you, sh- if you shoot a, a ton right? Like Mm -hmm. of different calibers, you may be able to say, Hey, you know, I feel a little bit of difference, but I honestly, and this, maybe I'm not as, you know, in tune with the, you know, the forces and everything like that, but it would be hard. I think the average person I was, um, would be hard pressed to be able to tell you a hundred percent. This is a nine millimeter. This is a 380, and this is a super carry. I think they're very similar. 
Yeah. That's just, that was just what I, what I, mean, I perceive. And honestly, the, the, the physics of that checkout too. I mean, if you do the math, all right, most of the 30 super carry loads are what would be considered kind of heavy for caliber, meaning that, um, 30 super carry, the mo- most of the common loads were in the 105 to 100, even 115 grain weight range, uh, one, 105 to 110. For the diameter, the size of that bullet, that's that's kind of heavy for caliber, right? Uh, when we're talking about like 9 millimeter, heavy for caliber in 9 millimeter, those bullets are the 147 grain weight bullets, right? Mm-hmm. Uh nine millimeter kind of the happy medium is that 124 to 135 grain weight uh zone 124 really probably being the standard if you will 115 is obviously very common but it's a little bit on the light side for caliber so in 30 super carry i i honestly expected to see like some stuff out there in the like 85 to 95 grain weight area but most everything again was 100 grains plus in weight I suspect a lot of that has to do with the engineering of this round and, and really trying to make sure this was a round that would consistently penetrate greater than 12 inches of in ballistic gelatin, right? Because this is marketed to be something that favors comparably to a nine millimeter in terminal performance, um, but in a smaller package uh, to get greater capacity and, and hopefully a little bit less of a recoil uh, effect in the gun. And again, the, the physics check out here. So we're taking bullets in the 100 plus grain weight category and pushing them at 1250 feet per second. That's moving along pretty good, right? So um, that's plus P territory in the case of like nine millimeter rounds, or that's a pretty that that's a you know that's a that's a three fifty seven sig you know there's there's obviously three fifty seven three fifty seven sigs that are faster than that but it just kind of puts it in comparison like that's moving right along so uh, it's 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 got some oomph to it the surprising thing for me was that the if for whatever reason I still don't understand it but something about the tuning of the guns has got to be the difference maker here but when I shot the the shield plus in both of those calibers, the nine and the 30 super carry, they felt very similar. I think I would seriously have a hard time telling the difference between the two. If you held them, handed them to me blindly for some reason, shooting the shield easy in the nine. And then again, in the 30 super carry, that one was more noticeable for me. Yes. Why? I don't know. Uh, but I would actually say that the 30 super carry in the shield easy was quite nice shooting. It was comfortable shooting. Uh, and so that was, that was an interesting takeaway from all that. So again, we got a lot of time on those guns at the Smith and Wesson, uh, private event that we were able to attend. And, uh, uh, you know, I probably put, I know I put it over a box ammo and maybe the better part of two boxes of ammo through the 30 super carry. So I got a, you know, a pretty good read on that cartridge so far. And, uh, I'm curious to see, you know, where it goes. Uh, will it take off? I don't know. Uh, does it fit a niche that, you know, is viable? Yeah, I think, I think there's something potentially there, but this is a marketplace where nine is dominant. 380 is pretty popular as well. So to, to try to slide something else in there and take over a significant part of the market share, it's it's kind of like what you and I talked about a few weeks back where we basically said eh, it's 50, 50. Yeah. You know, I think the market's primed for it potentially. Um, but, uh, I could also see it where in five years, we're not even talking about it anymore. Yeah. As well. Well, well the rep I spoke to there, I spoke to him specifically about like what, what's going to be the availability and the cost. And, um, we were actually shooting at the range, um, a 30 super carry round from uh, blazer brass. And mm-hmm. so that would be, you know, your full metal jacket, uh, training round. And he yeah. said that they anticipate when it hits, you know, production and, and is available, it'll probably be around the cost of 380. So, um, you know, I, I don't know. I, you know, I, I'm always kind of, I'm not shocked anymore, but like I, I, I kind of laugh when people get angry about a company making something new, you know, it's like, 
Mm-hmm. You know, why not just focus on this? And it's like, and I mean, innovation's innovation. You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't. It's not taking anything away from you for federal to come up and try to make a new, new, uh, you know, cartridge. So mm-hmm. if it's great, great. If it's not, it goes away and you live your life. You know. So um, I don't know. We'll see. Yep. Yep. I'm going to address a couple questions real quick so I yeah, don't yeah. forget them. Uh, coming through on the comments here, Buckeye2A on YouTube says, what's your thought on the FN high power? So I, I, I got my hands on that. I didn't get to shoot it, but got to examine it, obviously, close up uh, in person. And, um, you know, it's a modern take on the old FN high power or Browning high power pistol, um, obviously being made by FN. Um you know, and there's some things, some changes that they made to that design that I liked. Uh, like, I thought the safety on it was improved, and I liked that aspect of it. Um, but I think probably if you're into that sort of thing, if you like the high power design, uh, probably some of the other offerings, like from the recently released uh, uh, Springfield Armory SA35, and including I've heard this from people that I trust that like really know guns. Um, I think that's probably a better option from what I've seen and from what I've been hearing. Um, also EAA has come out with their own version of a high power. And I've, I've heard that's a pretty decent take on that design as well. Uh, when compared to the F to the F to the new FN version of the high power. So, um, I don't know, you know, it was okay. Um, I, I, I think it's probably overpriced for what it is. Uh, and that's probably honestly the biggest knock on it from my perspective, but that's, so that's, that's my thought on the, on the new FN high power. Did you take a look at that at all, Matthew? I didn't. Nope. Okay. Uh, Buckeye asks safety and trigger any better. And maybe it's like, again, the safety design was, I thought substantially improved. Uh, and I believe it was ambidextrous even if I'm not mistaken. And, uh, but, it, but it, but it functioned very, very nicely, a uh, very ergonomic, uh, and the, uh, the trigger it's been, a, honestly, it's been a while since I handled a high power trigger. I would describe it as about what you would expect. I mean, not bad. It's single action, obviously, but not particularly great either. It's acceptable. So that's what I would say as far as to answer those questions. There was another question too. Someone asked, did you get to shoot the Palmetto state 5.7 gun? This is known as the Palmetto state, uh, rock, the rock pistol 5.7, uh, by 28 millimeter chambered gun. Did you get to your hands on that one, Matthew? Nope. Nope. Once again, um, I was, <laughs> I was down in the, in the catacombs trying to <laughs> find the, the, the new thing that nobody's heard of. So I did so, not. So I presume this one was that, industry day um but i did not see it and i went to the palmetto state army booth uh maybe i saw it but thought it was actually the ruger 5.7 but the weird thing is i didn't hear anything about this until like a couple days into the show and i never actually got over and looked at it i'll be honest it's it's one of those things it's like eh, you know it, it, it it's not I know some of you are particularly interested in this type of thing. You know, for a long time, we only had the FN 5.7 pistol, right? For a long, long, long time. And now all of a sudden, the last couple of years, we have a couple of offerings in this. Um, As a cartridge, I am not, personally, I am not particularly enamored by the 5.7 cartridge, particularly in pistol form. Um, I think it's a novelty, personally speaking. Um, you know, so it just, I didn't, I had other priorities, I guess, to take care of Brad. Brad's at, the one who's asking about this. So, so I'm sorry I didn't actually get over and look at the new Palmetto State Armory, the rock pistol. Uh, I'm, you know, I've looked at some articles and things about it online and thought, well, okay, you know, kind of looks like the Ruger version and kind of looks like a more svelte version of the FN 5.7. So, uh, that's, that's what I got to say about that. I mean, for, as far as Palmetto State's concerned, it, it, it looks like a pretty decent, you know, take on, on this type of, uh, concept. It's like a decent, 
relatively decent pistol. The price point certainly is appealing, particularly for a gun in that cartridge. But uh, yeah, that's all I got to say about that. <laughs> uh, let's see. I was going to throw out one other thing, Matthew. I mean, we saw obviously a number of things, but something else that stood out to me. Now, part of that is a personal connection. Uh, but, uh, you know, and by that, I mean, a friend of mine, Chad Enos, works for Caltech. Right. And we find out on industry day that they have a new pistol that they were coming out with. Now, they didn't have it at industry day, which I thought was too bad. But we did get to see it on the show floor. And it is called the, the P-15. And it is a all-new, from the ground up, design from Caltech in 9 millimeter. And it's kind of interesting because they're, they took a bit of a departure from what they have been known for in the past, um, which, you know, they're say like their P32, P380, uh, P11s, PF9 type pistols that were very much polymer pistols. The P15 came out with two versions or two options, a polymer framed model as well as a, an aluminum framed model where uh, obviously the aluminum one is, uh, is milled. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. Yeah. So that was kind of interesting to see was like, Oh wow, this is different. The aluminum version actually had, had grips, you know, grip panels yeah. on them, like yeah. wood grip panels. Yeah. Uh, that was kind of interesting, you know? So again, we're, we're so used to seeing these, very plain polymer molded pistols from Caltech. This was a, an interesting departure from what they're known for. So got my hands on that, got to compare the aluminum one to the polymer one. I definitely preferred the aluminum one over the polymer one. Uh, felt pretty good in the hand, perhaps a little bit. Um, some people would say, well, it's got a really high bore axis or that kind of thing. And I don't get too tore up about that. I shoot a P320 after all and <laughs> shoot it pretty well. Um, it had some interesting, unique features to it. So they they have basically a whole, re- like the top rear part of the slide, the whole thing can be replaced and you can get different. They're not exactly plates, but you get these different adapters, if you will. Because mm-hmm. again, it's it more it's more than a plate. It kind of replaces a whole chunk of the slide and you can get different ones for different optics. Okay. So, so that's cool. So it's optics ready. And then the other thing that was interesting is the, uh, it, it has, it's California compliant. So that's particularly interesting because a lot of the newer manufacturers really struggle releasing guns and having them be California compliant. Uh, and then that would also be true for states like Massachusetts and stuff. So these are states where, in, like to use California as, as an example, like the, the new production guns have to meet certain criteria. Um, they've got to have a certain, uh, uh, they got to have manual safeties involved. Um, you know, then they've got to get approved and get on the, on the list. And I don't know that the Caltech P15 is actually on the list yet, but the fact that they designed it to be California compliant, means it has a good chance of being approved as a new production pistol and making it onto that list. So now by that, it has a grip safety and also has a magazine disconnect safety. But what was kind of cool and interesting and innovative that Caltech did on this is with the quick twist of a screwdriver, you can very quickly disable the grip safety as well as the magazine disconnect safety and also disable them individually. So that, that was like, oh, this is interesting. Mm-hmm. So um, got my interest as well. I mean, Mark said he heard California com- compliant and perked up. Uh, I did as well. So because it's it's cool to see companies innovate and creatively solve problems like this. And it's unfortunate we even have to go down this road because of legislation like that in the state of California and other similar states. Um, But kind of cool to see them come up with a solution to potentially, you know, make it possible to please both sides, both the, those that want to have a California compliant pistol because they are in California and not 
bog everybody else down with unnecessary safety features. Yeah. And, and, and the way you change that is really cool. It's, it doesn't take machining or, you know, you just yep. need a new part or anything. It's just like a, a screw that, you know, yeah. it, you, you set it at a different point and it, it's, it's pretty neat that way. It, um, it is that simple. Like you disassemble, yeah. you take the slide off the gun and then there is a screw that you take a flathead screwdriver to and you turn it one way and disables one safety. You turn it another way, disables both safeties. You turn it, you know, like it's just, it's like, okay, that's cool. Bravo on a creative solution for the, for something like that. So we'll see uh, what what comes of the new Caltech P15. Any other thoughts on that one? Matthew? No, just it, it was really uh, it was neat. The 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 polymer one looks Caltech. Uh, the checkering on the on the grip and all that is very Caltech. You'd recognize, but um, but the aluminum frame one was was really. Strange, not strange looking, but strange for a Keltec gun uh, that it had the grip panels and stuff like that. So, Mark says, "Guys, stop talking about how easy it is to disable the safety." California is watching. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I don't know what to say, Mark. <laughs> okay, so uh, a couple other things. Hall Sun, yes, new optics from Hall Sun. I know guys are out there going to be like, "Stop supporting China." which I understand, all right? Heck, we are an American-based business that also happens to manufacture some products ourselves here in the States. So I am all about that American manufacturing. However, Holosun, out of all the optics companies out there, is innovating the hardest and the fastest. There are benefits because of that, okay? And one of the benefits... I hope is that it, and I believe this has already been shown to be true uh, from a number of American or European optics companies is that by Holosun innovating like that puts more pressure on their American and European counterparts. So uh, Matthew, did you get a good look at uh, the Holosun optics? Yeah. Products from them. Yeah. Tell us a little really, bit about your, your thoughts there. Really cool. They, I mean, they have, and you can go further in depth because you, you spoke with, uh, uh, I think Adam, uh, quite a bit about that, but they have a, uh, a really cool streamlined solar charged, uh, I, they, they've always had that solar strip, right? Not always, but, um, you know, a lot of their models have that solar strip as a backup to a battery, but they have one that doesn't use a external battery, a replaceable battery. It's an internal battery that is charged solar uh, by, by sunlight, um, runs for like 20,000 hours, um, and it's super thin line. It's, you know, uh, machined specifically for different um you know, it, it's not just a standard one that you fit to your gun. You're, it, there are different models for your, your gun that fit more in line with, um, uh, in, in order to use the standard sights, I, I believe in a lot of these, uh, these guns. So because it's sitting so much, uh, you know, it's not as tall, it's lower down. Um, you may be able to forego, you know, suppressor height sights in some, uh, guns and stuff, but just the, that they have a closed emitter that you can talk, talk about. But, uh, I, th- I thought that's, uh, the SCS solar charging site, uh, I think is what it's called, uh, was yes. really neat and, uh, has all the same, you know, reticles and stuff that you, that on the, um, the hollow suns. And I just thought it was really cool. You know, like you said, hollow sun is innovating. And I think that that's fantastic. And, if other companies aren't doing it and they're just relying on hey, they're from China, don't buy their stuff. I mean, at a certain point, people are going to say, yeah, but why aren't you doing this? And so I think it's uh, it's good for the, 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 you know, red dot optic um, market. Yep. Yep. So the SCS, uh, amazing technology. Now we actually saw a prototype of this a couple years ago from them uh that they, they had it on the show floor like they, they didn't make a big deal of it or really you know talk about it a whole lot so this has been kind of i'll be honest i thought that they experimented with it and kind of went eh, it's not really working and we're moving you know we're, mm-hmm. we're killing that project well all of a sudden bam they show up with the scs and with some very finished nice looking uh 
production quality units that we saw at SHOT Show. The uh, couple things about it, to your point, with the SCS, well, oh, let me back up just a touch. The, the whole concept of the SES is Hall Sun is basically telling the marketplace, stop worrying about certain optic footprints and adapter plates and filler plates and this cut versus that cut. You have a gun, Glock, SIG, HK, right? Whatever that comes with a particular cut. We're just gonna make an. We're just gonna make this optic be for whatever that cut is. Makes sense, right? Right. So, like Glock has the MOS, right? And MOS is non-specific to a particular optic footprint. It is just a cut in the slide, and then you get the appropriate MOS plate, which, by the way, aren't particularly known for longevity and durability. Most people use uh, third-party aftermarket. Uh, plates with the Glock MOS system, at least those that want to see their optics stay on their pistol for longer than a couple thousand rounds. Um, so Halson just says, we're going to just make a Glock MOS optic and bam, you slap it on. Oh, well, you have a SIG pistol? Well, you just buy the SIG one mm-hmm. and bam, direct fit onto the SIG cut. Uh, oh, you have a HK VP9. By the way, I took a look at the new HK uh, VP9SC, is that right? Yeah, subcompact. Or SK, excuse me, SK model. And uh, HK has their own unique cut that works with their own particular design of a pistol optic plate. But all of a sudden, just, hey, we have the HK version, right? Boom, you just buy the optic that's appropriate for your particular gun, stick it on. Really cool concept. Now, the challenge there is it's probably challenging for Holosun to have to manufacture and cut and mill and whatever, you know, these all these different optic sizes or dimensions, but it's a very unique solution on the consumer side because it makes it very simple. Because then you're not wondering about, well, this gun versus this gun versus this cut versus this cut versus this optic. You know, like you're not trying to do all this like algebra in your head to, you know, <laughs> make a pistol optic fit your particular slide. Uh, you just simply, oh, that's the Glock one and I have a Glock, so I buy the Glock one. So pretty cool. And I, from what I saw, pretty well executed. I was more, imp- I was a little bit dubious showing up and looking at it. And then kind of walked away going, okay, there's something maybe to this. Uh, and I'm intrigued. So uh, I saw working like production quality options on both the HK VP9SK as well as on the Glock pistols. And uh, shot with the Glock one and was quite impressed with it. The downside is, is it's so, it sits so low on the gun that even with the factory sights, I feel like the sights obscure more of the optic window than I'd like to see. Mm-hmm. That made me think I need to get even lower profile sights than the factory. <laughs> Cause I don't, you know, I, I, I really just need the sights to stick up just the tiniest amount to give me, cause they're, they're intended to be backup. You know, the whole point of the optic is to make it simple. And all I got to do is focus on the target and look for a dot. And if I have sights obscuring my, my view, then it's sort of, defeating one of the main benefits of using the optic in the first place but cool idea and again i was quite enthused with what i saw the new eps and eps carry optics also pretty huge innovations i think uh because people were already excited two years ago with the new 407 507k models that were sized appropriately for your sub and micro compact pistols well, the 507-407K models are open emitter optics. All of a sudden, roll out the EPS carry, which stands for enhanced pistol sight, or excuse me, enclosed pistol sight. Uh, and the carry version is the narrower, it's, it's basically like a 507K sized optic that happens to be enclosed. Enclosed pistol optics is, prob- is, it is the future. I, I don't necessarily have a problem with open emitter optics, particularly from a concealed carry perspective, because they're not really exposed the same 
you know, the elements and things like a, you know, something that's being carried openly or in a duty holster or that kind of thing. But enclosed is, I think, the future. So this was this is the smallest enclosed optic I've seen out there yet. And it surprisingly was very usable, had a, a, a nice large window for for what it is. And this is a direct mount to a P365XL pistol, a Hellcat, whatever. Okay. Well, you might still have to, the Hellcat does have those taller posts. But anyway, the point is, is like that footprint, that cut is what this EPS carrier was designed around. Now, the EPS was the same cut essentially, but it's wider. And I'm not sure if I, if I fully understand the, where the EPS fits in because I don't know. Again, it's basically the same cut front to back as the 507K and the Romeo Zero, the RMSC and all that kind of stuff, but it was wider. Um, I don't know, but it's an option. So, but very small, compact, enclosed pistol, enclosed emitter pistol optics. Really cool to see. Again, Holosun is really pushing the envelope with what's possible in very small pistol-sized optics. And I think yeah. that's a, a good thing for all the rest of us. For sure. So, um, there are probably some other things we could talk about, but we're kind of at that hour mark of the show. <laughs> I'll, I'll just throw it to you, Matthew, any last things like you want to throw out there that, Oh, Hey, this was cool. Or this was unique. Um, you know, I'll just, I'll just kind of, uh, I know this might not interest everybody out there. Um, but it was, it was cool just to get back to a trade show because, you know, a lot of these, uh, have been canceled through over the last, you know, year or two or whatever. And it was just cool to, to actually see people out and about now, even though they were, there were, you know, mask enforcers going around. Um, they, 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 they were attempting to enforce a mask rule. Um, but it, it was just good to kind of be out with a bunch of people, um, that, said, Hey, let's get back to doing business and living our lives. And, um, and I thought that that was encouraging to me. So I don't mm-hmm. know. Agreed. And to that point, a lot of, a lot of, there was a lot of negativity surrounding the show with respect to so-called mask mandates. And, and we were told that, uh, masks were going to be required at the show and it would be enforced. Uh, although largely there was, I would say a good, 25 to 33% of attendees weren't really wearing masks. And as the show went on throughout the week, fewer and fewer people wore masks mm-hmm. and fewer, fewer in code enforcers. If you want to call them that they were labeled as safety officers, fewer and fewer of them continue to enforce mask wearing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, yeah, I know that the, the show couldn't happen if the show folks didn't, agree to requirements put upon placed upon them by the local authorities, including venue owners. Um, I kind of suspected that's how it was going to go, that it was that we were going to be told is what you have to do and that it was going to be kind of loosely enforced. And that was essentially what it, what it was. I mean, loosely, again, there were people there that were definitely saying, Hey, mask on, you gotta, you know, please, sir, put on your mask. Um, but, you know, when you have one safety officer for every 500 people in attendance or whatever, like it's, it's a bit of a losing battle. So there were definitely plenty of folks that were uh, waving their don't tread on me flags, you know, uh, uh, virtually, if you will. And, uh, uh, you know, saying simply they were not going to comply and uh, chose to not wear their masks. And that's fine. Like, I admittedly spent plenty of times myself not really wearing my mask. Uh, but uh, uh, yeah, that was the show. You know what? If you didn't go to the show this year, I kind of think you messed out. Uh, you know, those of you that are able to go to the show. Again, the show is generally only open for uh, people in the industry, meaning that you, uh, you know, this is for FFLs and dealers and, and guns sh- shop and gun store owners and, 
producers and manufacturers of products in that space. And then, and, and of course, the media people that cover those things, which happens to include us. But uh, if you were able to go to the show and you chose not to for a variety of reasons, I honestly think you missed out. I thought it was a great show. I thought it was highly productive for us and our team. And I'm glad we went because there were definitely discussions in the weeks leading up to the event about should we go? Is it still going to happen? Is this a worthwhile investment of our money? Uh, it's expensive to go. And uh, I, I feel like it was a good show for us. So I'm glad we went. I hope you enjoyed hearing our coverage and our sharing of kind of our favorite things or our takeaways, if you will, from the show. And so that's that. It's time to wrap it up. But, but before we let you go, we do need to let you know that we have a couple of, well, we have a winner to announce with respect to our weekly podcast giveaway. Folks, if you don't recall, every week we refresh the giveaway page with a new product and a new opportunity to sign up for the free giveaway. Uh, You you need to go to concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize to do that. This week we're giving away a free Pitbull Tactical Universal Mag Pouch. And next week we're giving away 9mm dummy rounds from Ready Up Gear. So who is our lucky winner of a universal mag pouch this week from Pitbull? The lucky, lucky winner is Alex R. Alex R. Awesome. Yeah. Congratulations, Alex. Uh, we will get in touch with you to claim your prize. And again, next week, folks, we're going to give away a pack of Ready Up Gear 9mm dummy rounds or snap caps, if you will. That's the brand name of another brand. Probably not supposed to mention, but. That's what people a lot of times refer to them as. So there you go. Make sure you sign up. Concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize. And again, folks, check out our sponsors and support them. Excesssites.com, gunfighteroil.com. Don't forget about the Guardian Conference, guardianconference.com, which is held in Oklahoma City later this year in September, September 16th through the 18th. Uh, We are going to have a fantastic training conference this year. We anticipate it bigger better and more awesomer than last year and we appreciate our sponsors of that and which includes our presenting sponsor ccw safe thank you for your, for your support we're glad to be back uh we'll be back later today with jacob recording another episode where we're gonna cover legislative news updates so look forward to that and until next time take care matthew yeah thanks uh thanks guys for listening And a reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care.